Welcome into NFL Kickoff Live. It'll be the best two hours of football talk every single Friday where we'll take you around the NFL, talk about every team, every game, and get local insight you can't get anywhere but right here on Locked On. So I'm your host, Tanitra Batiste, and alongside me is Jarvis Davis. I got Kyle Krabs with me, and we are jumping right in as the 2023 season kicked off last night. Now, about last night, our Matt Derry from Locked On Lions has all the deets with reactions from Lions versus Chiefs. Week one win in Arrowhead on Thursday night. The Detroit Lions have at least fans thinking about restoring the Rory 21 to 20 thriller. And Jared Goff, Dan Campbell, they are saying we are here. Speaking of here, Matt Derry here with us now. And he is our host for Locked On Lions. Matt, how did Detroit go into Arrowhead, one of the toughest places in the league to play, and go win? Pete, I mean, it was a... uh... What a wild game, certainly, uh, on Thursday night. The Lions were not just there to show up, not just there to get a little run on NBC and and be the cute little story. They came in there and were very physical early. I thought the defense played pretty darn well, holding Patrick Mahomes to 20 points. Obviously, Kelsey was not there. The Kadarius Tony drops were a huge factor in this game. But at Mm. the end, Lions down six. Really impressive drive. Defense gets a stop. Then they run it out with, with with just physical play up front with their offensive line. Shades of what happened in Green Bay last year in Week 18. I just got to bring that one and, up. <laughs> you 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 know it well, and uh, they're one to know. This was uh, some kind of victory. No one is going to take the win away from them, right? It counts. It's in the standings. The hay is in the barn. All those cliches. But we know no Chris Jones, no Travis Kelsey for this one. So if you're if you're going to do the Glass half empty take here. You could say, okay, well, the Chiefs didn't have their two best players. If you're the Lions, what's the counter to that? You don't care. You you, you, <laughs> you know you, you don't care. Mahomes is five and zero oh and uh, going into tonight in Week One games. Um, a lot of things went against the Lions. I mean, Taylor, the right tackle for the Chiefs, Terry McCauley on NBC, the referee expert the former referee is saying yeah. he jumps off sides or he he's false starting on every play and he's lined, lined up, up correctly lined up as a slot receiver chris collinsworth said at one <laughs> point like he just was not not in a legal position the whole game right so you know and, and, and look that's a tough place to play they raise the banner all of those things i just think for detroit and you know this well peter you've been around this division i mean they just don't they don't do this this is not something that Lions fans are used to, Lions executives, anybody is used to. The last two games they've played a, on NBC in front of everybody, and they've gone into Lambeau and Arrowhead and won. That's arguably the two toughest places to win. So, hey, sky's the limit for this team, and they can play a lot better. There were things they didn't do well. They didn't the play calling wasn't great. Jameer Gibbs, guy touches the ball every time, and it's eight, nine yards a touch. Yet there were series he was on the sidelines. They got things to correct, and yet they still won. Yeah, winning, not just going into Lambeau Field and won, beat Aaron Rodgers at Lambeau Field, and then went into Arrowhead. Didn't just go into Arrowhead and won, beat Patrick Mahomes. Pretty good stretch for this Lions team. Matt, thanks for your time. All right, Pete. Thank you. Now, team, Matt mentioned what the story was for last night, but my question to you guys is this. What was the story of last night for you? 
Jarvis, go ahead. You, you know, to be honest with you, it has to be Patrick Mahomes looking like he was out there by himself trying to make plays, right? Because that's one of the things that, you know, it's just so amazing how this how fluid this dude is when when he's back there and you got Aiden Hutchinson like breathing down your neck seemingly every play. That was one of the things that I really like it just made it just gave me a picture, a really good peek into how really great Patrick Mahomes is. Now, don't get me wrong, I knew he was great, but for him to be able to consistently go out there and just work his magic, I think that was just that was just a big storyline for me. And early on, it looked like he was going to be able to pull it up. I, I'm glad you mentioned that, Jarvis, because the thing for me was when you found out that Kansas City wasn't going to have Travis Kelsey, my mind kind of went to, okay, they've got one of the best offensive lines in football. Maybe they're going to run on, lean on the run game a little bit more to, to kind of keep their offense on schedule. And Pat Mahomes ends up throwing the ball 39 times. He was asked to drop back even more than that. When it wasn't Patrick Mahomes' scrambles, Kansas City rushed 17 times for like 45 yards. So that's with Isaiah Pacheco, who had all the buzz from last year with the playoff run, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. They brought back Jarek McKinnon. I had a certain expectation of what it was going to look like, and instead it just felt like it was Pat drop back. Nobody's getting open, so now i got to go get outside the pocket and make stuff happen on every single play. So it was a really enlightening peek in what life without Travis Kelsey looks like in this offense, but it was not the style – of calling the game that I was expecting once we found out that Kelsey wasn't going to suit up. I'm yeah, with you, Cal. Uh, I was just going to say. I, Isaiah yeah. Pacheco was in that game, but he was your leading receiver as opposed to actually having some type of impact on the ground. And let's not forget that not only was Travis Kelsey absence, but Chris Jones absence was definitely palpable in that game as well. Now, Kyle, one of the things I was thinking as well, as we talk about this game and kind of looking at these two teams what did you and J.D., what did you guys learn more? Who did you learn more about in that season opener? You learn more about the Lions or more about the Chiefs? Wow. I would have to probably go with – I feel like I learned more about the Lions because I was one of the guys, like, coming to the season, I really wasn't all that sold on it, you know what I mean? But, but when you look at what they were able to do in the NFL draft and get a guy like Jameer Gibbs – he just popped. When I'm talking about explosion, every time he got the rock, it was just like Matt, um, my dairy mentioned of locked on lines. He was just like 89 yards a pop every time he got the rock. And I'm like, okay, Ben Johnson, what are you doing? I need for you to get this man the ball. You draft him in the first round for a reason. You don't draft the guy in the first round to have David Montgomery getting all these touches. Like, so I think that, you know, for me, is I really feel like we learned, I learned a lot more about the Lions. I'm more sold on the Lions. I'm not all the way sold. I'm more sold on the Lions because, you know, to even add to that, Jared Goff, when he had to throw the football down the field, because like going into halftime, I was just like, yeah, this offense, they need to be in more rhythm. It's more, more, more rhythmic offense. And it's not necessarily, hey, pushing the ball down the field. But when they had two towards the end of that game, I, you saw Jared Goff make those necessary throws to be able to do that. So, yeah. More so learning about the Lions than I did the Chiefs, for sure. Well, and, J and J.D., Jared Goff didn't play in the preseason at all. And I think it showed yeah. the first half, right? Yeah. So yeah. kind of the, they had the one nice drive that was really ignited by the fake punt call inside their own 20-yard line, which is insanity. Props to them for calling it. I believe that was their Indeed. seventh converted fake punt in the last two, two years plus this game. It's crazy, so, yeah. Uh, it, it's nice to see. I agree with J.D. I learned more about Detroit because now there's expectations. The last couple of years has been a building team. We've heard about the messaging from Dan Campbell. 
Well, now you come out, you got expectations, you go to Arrowhead, you don't blink while they drop the banners, and you stick through what could have been a very dicey game script when it's 7-7, you have the turnover in the red zone, Kansas City goes down right before half and scores a touchdown, and they're getting the ball at half. You say, oh, here we go. This is how Kansas City gets teams every single week. Yep. They forced two short drives for Kansas City after coming out of halftime, and I think that was really impressive. So it was the buy-in from the team on the messaging and the identity of who Detroit wants to be and seeing that they can live up to that, even without Chris Jones and Travis Kelsey, I think was super impressive. And, and it kind of reinforced what JD was saying. I, I think this Detroit team has a lot to build off of here. Yeah. And that may actually be the eight minutes that were the deciding factor in this game. Oftentimes we look at the 60, but really a lot of times it's the two to four minutes heading into halftime, the two to four minutes coming out of halftime that really dictates the game. And I kind of agree with you, Kyle. I think that's what we saw last night. Now, listen, we got a lot of games that are going to be some interesting, intriguing matchups because we have, first of all, so many games that have divisional matchups right out of the gate, right? So I'm going to ask you guys to get a little hot takey when you look across the season and particularly when you look at this, how some of these teams are starting out, how some of these divisions are starting out. Give me a bold prediction. You can go week one or you can go this entire season, but give me one of your hot take bold predictions for this NFL season. I am going to go with Lamar Jackson is going to win the league MVP. Here's why. Because I, I really like what Todd Munkin is as, as offensive coordinator. Because we know back in 2019, got let go from the Cleveland Browns. He went down to Georgia, and we already know what that movie, how that movie ended, right? They won back-to-back national championships, and he was able to get it done. And I think what did that for Todd Munkin was he understood, hey, I, I know you want to slam the ball all around the yard. I get it. But you have to implement that run game and what the Georgia Bulldogs were able to do running at 12 personnel, two tight end sets. Sounds kind of familiar, right? When you talk about Baltimore Ravens and how they want to run their offense. So I think that add on top of that with the wide receiver depth that they have now, Rashad Bateman, Odell Beckham, Zay Flowers. I think this dude, this kid is going to be special this year. So when you have all of those factors coming in, I really feel like. Mr. Lamar Jackson, Mr. Jackson, if you're nasty, he's going to be the MVP of the league this year. All right. So I, I got one for the guy with the uh, Falcons jersey hanging on his wall behind Uh-oh. him. There. <laughs> Ebron Robinson, <laughs> NFL rushing king as Ooh. a rookie. I think he leads the league okay. in rushing yards. Yes. Bijan's yes. a dude, right? So he's obviously, you're running back that gets drafted in the top 10. That's already special. But then you put the vision, the size, the physicality, the explosiveness. All of that into Arthur Smith's zone rushing offense with an offensive line that has had several seasons to really gel with everything moving as one. You know, you got these five units plus your tight ends and your other backs and your wide receivers that are blocking from the slot. And the impact of that getting these gaps. And then you have an instinctual runner with the vision and explosiveness of Bijan to be able to quickly process those gaps. I think he's a tailor-made player for this system, and I know Perfect. that they've got Tyler Algier. I know that Cordero Patterson's going to have something to say about touching the ball every single week. I know Drake London's a really exciting player. I know Falcons fans are really hoping to see more of Kyle Pitts versus last year, but I just can't imagine the investment that was made in B. John Robinson, his special talent in Arthur Smith's offense. I think he leads to lead in rushing this year. Yeah, kind of similar to Jameer Gibbs, right? Hey, you draft a, a running back in the first round nowadays, 
you better use them. <laughs> and, you know, I'm going to make a bold prediction. Kyle, since you went the way of the Falcons with your bold prediction, I'm going to go the way of Miami with the bold prediction and say that I think you guys might be a little, they might be some sleepers down there in uh, South Beach. And we might just see you guys making a trip to the Midwest and maybe having some conversation once again about one Patrick Mahomes along with Tua Tungabailoa. But we shall see. Now, listen, there's a guy that a lot of people are looking at. Speaking of switching zip codes or area codes, if you will, he took his talents from the Midwest to the Northeast. We're going to talk about what's behind him and what's in front of him. But first, Jarvis, let's talk a little bit about Nutrafol. Guys, let me tell you about Nutrafol. You don't have to choose between better hair growth and your health. Nutrafol provides a whole body health approach for men that promotes healthier hair. No drugs, no compromises. You just get better hair. That's what you're going to get. Men thinking losing their hair is inevitable, right? You know, I still got mine, you know, thank God I still got my hair. But, you know, if I get to a point where I start to lose it, guess what I'm going to? I'm going to Nutrafol because you could take control of your hair's future with Nutrafol science-backed hair growth supplement for men. So go to Nutrafol.com slash men and take their hair health quiz, wellness quiz, right? Identify the causes of your thinning hair, and Nutrafol will give you a personalized plan for better hair health through whole body wellness. None of this generic stuff, right? They're going to get very specific and, and help you out. So they, they support your Nutri hair growth. And so take the first step to be visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com slash men and enter the promo code LOCKEDONNFL. Now, I tell you, we don't quite know yet whether Aaron Rodgers will or won't need Nutrafol because, hey, he has not had to deal with that New York media or that New York press at length yet, right? But of course, while he was in Green Bay, he was the darling and he helped that rivalry between the Bears and the Packers be very, very one-sided. Now we're talking Jordan Love under center for the Pack and their higher expectations this year from, for Justin Field for all that the Bears put around him in the offseason. So you got to ask, will this rivalry be revived? Will Lauren Cox from our Locked On Bears show and Peter Bukowski from Locked On Packers break down their expectations for Bears Packers? when I think about how the bears can win this game and what, what worries me the most, it's two things. It's the, the bears just dominate on the ground. You mentioned this, the Packers have to have to be able to at least like credibly stop the run so that it's not like seven yards a play or that Justin Fields is not just like ripping off multiple 20 yard runs. Just, just limit the damage a little bit. But if, if they can stay on the move here with the run game, you throw in a little play action, the boot game, that can be a huge thing. To your point, if they're down 14 to three last year, the Bears just kind of kept running their offense. Like it was kind of inexplicable at times when they'd be down and they're just like, no, nah, we're just going to keep going. And by the way, a lot of the time it worked. They just kept running the ball. And because they were such a good run team and because Justin Fields is so explosive, they'd run their way back into some of these games, but they have to force some turnovers. You mentioned the Packers limiting the turnovers. The flip side of that is the Bears have to be able to create some. I think efficiency in this offense, the Packers, Jordan Love, it, the, the goal for him is going to be to limit mistakes. And if he can do that, he's been really good, by the way, in, in training camp. I, there was like a handful of turnover-worthy plays all of camp. He had a couple um, in the Seahawks game that kind of make you, or the Patriots game, and kind of make you go, eh, okay, well, trying to make a play. 
you you understand that. But for the most part, he has limited those mistakes. If the Bears punch the ball out on Aaron Jones, who's had some quietly had some fumble issues over the course of his career. Um, you've got a rookie in Luke Musgrave, who's going to have to play a big role for this team. You've got a rookie in Tucker Craft, who's going to have to play a big role in this team. If you don't have Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs, then it's Malik Keith, it's Dontavian Wicks, it's Jaden Reed, it's Samori Toure, guys that that didn't even go, get drafted in 16-team fantasy leagues. Those are the kinds of guys that the Packers are going to be relying on. And those are the kinds of guys, it's not about just like winning routes and getting open and making catches, it's finishing plays, it's taking contact. It's taking hits. It's it's missed assignments. Oh, you run the wrong route and and Jordan Love thinks you're going left. You go right and you throw it right to a Bears defender. And it's like th those kinds of things can happen in these situations. I think the Bears have to create some turnovers and win on the ground game. I think they're, you know, the, the line reflects there's absolutely a, a path here for the Bears to win it. Um, it but it I think it requires the run game being dominant and the uh the turnover luck kind of going the bears way a little bit here. So when you think about the final score, give me, give me a prediction. Yeah, this one's tough because I think both teams do want to run the ball and be run heavy. So then how does that limit the potential scoring output? And yet last year, yeah. I think this could be one of those like seven possessions, each games. Yeah. But it'd be like last year, like both, both games had some decent scoring despite both teams having some rushing success in those games too. So trying to hone that down has been a little bit of a challenge for me, but for me, Peter, we've done a lot of these crossovers over the years, and pretty rarely have I been able to come onto one of these crossovers and actually predict a Chicago Bears three with any sort of like real confidence. I mean, if, if, and I mean, most of the time it's like, yeah, how much are the Packers going to win by? But to me, I'm I'm, re I'm ready to say twenty. Week one, twenty nineteen is is the only time I can remember you doing it. Yeah, that sounds maybe that's maybe the right. second matchup in twenty eighteen. That, that sounds about right. Back when like there was still that Matt Nagy hope and optimism of. Things going so well with that defense being great, but yeah, I think I think their Bears are in a decent spot here to to really make some waves. That's part of why I wore black on the podcast today, since we're mourning the Packers' reign over the NFC North, the end, <laughs> end of an era here. And so, uh, and so I'm, I'm going to go 24-20 Bears over Packers, but I think this one will be this one will be really really tight and not a lot of wiggle room in either direction. And and I will I will remind us that. Last season, the Bears had a first quarter lead in both Bears Packers games and a fourth quarter lead in one of the games. So these, these teams aren't weren't that far apart. No, it's true. And and Warren Sharp had a great stat about how the, the Bears inexplicably had like the best first drive offense in football, and then their <laughs> offense the rest of the of the uh, the game was like thirty third practically. Um, and, and so that's one of those weird things. Like if the Bears get out to an early lead. All of a sudden, now the pressure's on Jordan Love. Like, I could very much see that, especially if you don't have either or both of Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson. Um, that becomes problematic. I just, I think talent-wise, I think top to bottom, this Packers defense is just so much more talented than Chicago's defense. And I I, I believe in the infrastructure with Matt LaFleur and, and the offensive line and the run game. So at the key position, because the quarterback is kind of this wild variable and both of our audiences know I think Justin Fields was ha, was and has been pretty bad. I think the bar for Jordan Love to be better than him is pretty low. And then at the other premium positions, this is a thing I care about a lot. I think the Packers have pretty clear advantages at offensive line, at pass rush, and at corner. And then at coaching. So I'm going to take the Packers low scoring. Like I'd take the under 43, I think. I think like 2017, that kind of... I wanted to say 2014, but then uh, I don't know. It, it seems like a field goal game to me. So 2017, the Packers 
get this week one win. And we're talking about it on Monday. All right, that might be one of those fun ones because it's intriguing because we don't quite know a whole lot about Jordan Love, don't quite know a whole lot about what Justin Fields will look like this season. Guys, thoughts? I'll tell you what, you you better have Christian Watson ready to go for this football game with his hamstring issue. And because he, I mean, Peter Bukowski laid it out. Green Bay's got all first and second year wide receivers. They've got two rookie tight ends at the top of the depth chart. They've got a lot of, youth and inexperience for a quarterback who is stepping into his first season in Jordan Love as the unquestioned starter for Green Bay. So Christian Watson got the most run last year. I know Romeo Dobbs got run last year, but Christian Watson was really kind of the guy that you were banking on being the featured player in the passing game with his height, weight, speed, ability, ability to get down the field and separate. So with Green Bay's ability to run the ball, I agree with a lot of what Peter said, but Christian Watson not being able to go, I think really changes the dynamics of their ability to test Chicago's defense in a like a three-dimensional way. And I think that could potentially turn this game on its head if those other young guys aren't really ready to step up. I'm with you because here's the thing. Like you look at like all that youth that they have on Green Bay's offense, but flip it over to the other side on the other for the other offenses, you got Justin Fields, a guy who's who basically has to prove that he um that to this regime that he's the quarterback of the of the future. And like when we even break it down even further than that, we look at Lou Getze last year. They kind of figured out that, hey, Justin Fields is an athlete, so we can run the football with him. But, but, but first, like, he's been sacked 91 times in two years. So those are some of the things you have to be able to protect them. But if you're able, if the Chicago Bears are able to protect uh, uh, Justin Fields, I really feel like this game can get a little, a little loose, man. And now you have a, a deep threat in DJ Moore who can, who definitely we know can make plays because anybody who can put up numbers for the Carolina Panthers and given what they've had at quarterback for the past few years, like that man deserves a trophy. Like to be honest with you. And I think that Justin Fields can absolutely get, get him the rock, you know, when need be. So I, I, I'm with you kind of too on this one too, Kyle, because that youth scares me on, on Green Bay's offense. I'm not, we don't know what Jordan Love is, right? I can't even say I'm, I'm, I'm not sold on him because we don't know what he is. He's what played 10 games in the, in the past two years. So, we can't really make a judgment off of that. But I, I think that what we've seen from Justin Fields, we know he can be dynamic. We know he can make plays. And now you get him some wide receiver threats. And now you got an improved offensive line. And I think that right now, this I'm looking at this game as like, okay, if Green Bay don't do what they need to do as far as getting to Justin Fields, this game can get, could get out of hand. And if I may piggyback off of that with what you said with Luke Etsy and how they – they, did, they were one of the most creative scheme offenses last year with what they turned into with unleashing what Justin Fields did well. Indeed. I don't know that you're necessarily going to have the offensive line performance, even amidst the investments. And Darnell Wright is a first-round pick, making his first career start. Uh, you got Tevin Jenkins, who was probably your best offensive lineman last year that's now on IR with a leg injury. Mm -hmm. You got guys like DJ Moore, who we saw in the, what, the first play of the preseason. It was a perimeter screen pass. That he yeah. took to the house, yep. right? So if you can take a lot of those quarterback-schemed run dynamics that they used last year and why they were so good in the run game is because so much of it was quarterback-centric, you get an extra blocker and hat in the run game to be able to help pick up and, and really block to wherever you want to try to attack, and you can option off of that. So you block one less guy, too. So like it really changes the math when you play Chicago in the run game. If you can now start to get, even if it's just 
quick game, perimeter screens, really build out that element because Justin's always going to be one of those guys like Russell Wilson was, like Deshaun Watson has been. They like to, at times, invite pressure to try to make big plays happen and make things happen down the field. Indeed. So when you're playing a team like Green Bay, who I do think has a significant advantage with what their pass rush brings to the table, being able to schematically do some things to mitigate those opportunities for them to tee off or for Justin to try to make stuff happen outside of structure, I think could really just be a simple extra layer that really makes them even that much more challenging to defend. Now, as I listen to you guys talking about some of the youth on both the Packers team as well as on the Bears roster, it actually got me to thinking about a couple things. And we're talking a whole heck of a lot about, and decidedly and understandably so, because Jordan loves the ticket, Justin Fields is the ticket. But how about those defenses? And particularly when you look at players like, and, and we know him so well, Kyle, having uh, covered Devondre Campbell during his days here with the Falcons. Now, of course, having a pretty solid uh, career there with the Packers as well. What do you see as being impactful or who could be that impact player for either one of those teams or both from a defensive perspective in what could be a close game and could make that one play to make the difference? Yeah, I'm sure Green Bay would love to have Eric Stokes as yet another body in the secondary, but he's yeah, on IR. We're familiar with him too, Kyle. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, I would point to Rayshon Gary on the edge who missed time last year with an injury. I think his athleticism on the edge coming back, you think about the other guys that they have, whether it's Kingsley Anigbare or Preston Smith or Lucas Van Ness, who's a first-round pick, but I think is a little bit more of a stiff player. Gary's the dynamic guy. So if you're going to be able to mirror fields on the edge with somebody to help contain the quarterback run game and some of the option work that they do, I think some of that falls on Rayshon Garrett to really be a difference maker in this football game. Yeah, I, and I, to add to another name out there, Jair Alexander, I, I really feel like, you know, when you're talking about maybe a, a young quarterback in Justin Fields still trying to find his way, there may be an opportunity for him to, to want to maybe get the ball downfield and take some chances. And, and Jair Alexander is a guy, another guy that can make those plays and he can make some, force those turnovers like uh, Peter was talking about. So I, I think that, you know, if that Green Bay secondary, like you mentioned with Eric Stokes and Jair Alexander, if those guys get to cooking and, and, and forcing um, Justin Fields into some bad throws just from a uh, uh, breaking on the ball standpoint, I really feel like there's it's going to be something that's going to be very interesting. But like I said, overall, I really feel like Fields is – I think he's going to be – I think he's bound to to, to make, base, make a statement. He's going to prove that he's probably the better quarterback on that field once they take, once they take the field. And it's interesting because I'm thinking, of course, about our executive producer. And, you know, anytime we have a mention of like the dogs, that's always kind of fodder for us. So I was thinking, well, you know, Quay Walker might have something to say about how this game is dictated as well with that linebacker core, because he, he had a pretty good uh, uh, rookie season himself. And so really would be interested to see what he's able to do as well for that Packers defense. Now, I'm going to ask you guys as well, because, of course, our Locked On commentators talked about this, too. Where are you guys going as far as pick for this game? Who do you see, especially if it's a close game like they talked about, who do you see pulling away with the W in week one? It, it, for me, it, it Christian Watson's availability, and he did not practice on Thursday. I think that's a swing for me that could take this game one way or the other. If we're going to operate in the assumption that Watson does not play, I think Chicago at home. Uh, can, can limit the big play ability against Green Bay, and then it becomes kind of a battle of your ability to run the ball. 
And I know Chicago's defensive front is a little undermanned. They've made some reinforcements. They brought in these line, this linebacker in, in Tremaine Edmonds uh, to, to help try to defend. Uh, I know that's not necessarily a strength, but I would trust Chicago at home if it came down to who has the ability to run the ball better just because they have that math-changing component with the quarterback. Well, I know if you have fantasy focus, if you are focused on fantasy rather, then you're going to be paying a lot of attention if you indeed were one who drafted one Christian Watson. So we'll be paying close attention to that. But each week we'll also be paying close attention and bringing you the latest and best fantasy advice from our Locked On Fantasy Football experts. And this week, Michelle Majuk has a look at the sleepers for week one. One for fantasy football can be a wild ride. We there's always guys who come out in week one and outperform the expectations way more than we thought they were going to throughout the offseason. So I have five sleepers that I'm really high on in week one for fantasy football. Uh, to start, it's running back Raheem Mostert for the Miami Dolphins. He's going up against the Chargers. Raheem Mostert is pretty much the only healthy running back left in this Dolphins backfield. And when he's been given the workload with the Dolphins, he's had very solid fantasy games. So last year at five games, with more than 15 touches, averaged 18 fantasy points per game in those games. And the Chargers were a very bad rush defense, at least they were last year, allowed the second most rushing yards to running backs last season. So I'm really happy to start Raheem Mostert in fantasy football this week. And then another two running backs I have as sleepers this week. They are playing in the same game. I got the Bears running back Khalil Herbert going up against the Packers. And then Packers running back A.J. Dillon going up against the Chicago Bears. So starting off here with Khalil Herbert, he's only had three career starts. Very small sample size, right? But he's averaged 16.2 fantasy points per game in those three starts. And the Packers were a bad rush defense last year. They allowed the fifth most yards per carry and ninth most fantasy points per game to the running back position last year. Uh, and then uh, for A.J. Dillon going up against the Bears, we know the Bears stink on defense, right? Maybe they'll get a little bit better. But last year, they allowed the second most fantasy points to the running back position. And Dillon ended the 2022 season on a high note. He scored six touchdowns over the last six games of the year. And he has a chance to start super hot in this matchup as well. A.J. Dillon and his teammate Aaron Jones combined for 72 touches, 406 yards, and three touchdowns over their two games against the Bears. And Dillon put up over 20 fantasy points the last time he played the Bears in Week 13. I think both A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones are great starts this week. And then to end my sleeper list here, it's a duo. I have a quarterback, Sam Howell with his wide receiver, Jahan Dotson. These are the second-year players for the Commanders, who I just think are going to have awesome breakout seasons. But then they get the best matchup of the week against the Cardinals, who were already incredibly bad last year at stopping the pass, allowed the highest opponent completion percentage in the league and the second-most passing touchdowns last season. And they're only expected to be worse. They lost seven starters from last year and did very little to replace them. So I just think Jahan Dotson and Sam Howell are going to come out, show that strong connection they've been showing all summer long, and have a great game. And we saw Jahan Dotson at the end of his rookie year uh, just end his season a really strong note. He led the commanders in targets and receptions and receiving yards over the final four games of the season. I'm super excited to see what this duo can do this year. Jahan Dotson, I consider a must-start in week one. And then Sam Howell is a viable quarterback if you're looking for someone with high upside uh, to start the year.
People, prize pick is the most fun I've had winning up to 25 times my money this football season. You just select two or more players, pick more or less on the projected stacks, and place your entry. You know who I'm betting over on for the rest of the season? Bijan Robinson. Why don't you go win some money as well? How about that for some advice? All right, so I'm going to be testing my skills on prize picks this football season because it is the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. This app is super safe. You don't got to worry about anybody getting all your information or anything because guess what? You can use a prize pick now offers Apple Pay. I know all you young folks out there using Apple Pay and can get quick and easy deposit into your account this football season so what i want you to do is make sure you head to prize picks because they offer weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts like taco tuesday it's going up baby each tuesday prize picks discounts select player projections up to 25 percent to provide even more value that's how you can turn 10 into 250 hey man do the math it's, it's it makes makes too much sense right so you're trying to figure out okay all right jarvis i'm sold i want to go to prize picks here's what you need to do go to prizepicks.com slash locked on nfl and use code locked on nfl for a first deposit match up to two up, up to sorry almost gave you too much up to a hundred dollars and that's prizepicks.com slash locked on nfl prize picks daily fantasy sports made easy let's go game the game around the league with our locked on nfl hosts I'm Chris Carter, host of the Locked On Steelers podcast, and here are two things the Steelers have to do to make sure that they win their home opener against the San Francisco 49ers. First, on offense, they have to establish a balance. Last year, the Steelers really didn't have a balance anywhere on offense, and that was a major issue for them at times. But in the preseason, they looked like they started to find it with abilities to break big plays in the run game and the pass game. If they can show that Kenny Pickett, Najee Harris, Jalen Warren, George Pickens, Pat Frymouth, and Deontay Johnson, their weapons are able to hit you at different levels, it will confuse the number one defense in the NFL and make it harder for them to prey on what the Steelers like to do and allow guys like Nick Bosa, Javon Hargrave, and Fred Warner to take over the line of scrimmage. The second thing they have to do on defense, the Steelers have to disrupt Kyle Shanahan's system. Mike Tomlin, when I asked him at his press conference about Brock Purdy and what he does well, Mike Tomlin made it very clear. The the key to stopping Brock Purdy is to stopping Shanahan's system and getting them off rhythm because that's what they do to make their system quarterback friendly. Part of that's getting pressure. Part of that's jamming up receivers. But all of it involves being more physical than the opponents, and that's what the Steelers have focused on being with their additions in the offseason and all throughout training camp and preseason. We'll have more to discuss on that on the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. We'll see you right here. To win in week one, the Arizona Cardinals need to come after Sam Howell. I'm Alex Clancy with Locked On Cardinals. The Arizona Cardinals have an uphill battle for the entirety of the 2023 season until Kyler Murray returns. There are reports out that newly acquired Joshua Dobbs will be starting week one after spending less than a month with the team. The quarterback play doesn't really matter because the margin is so razor thin between Clayton Toon and Joshua Dobbs performance-wise. Where the Cardinals' potential leverage lays is with the pass rush while unproven. LJ Collier, former Seattle Seahawk, has proven in the off- in the preseason that he's a guy that's still got plenty of juice left in the tank. Second-round pick BJ Ojolari will be used in spots, and Zayvon Collins moved from inside linebacker to um, potential edge rush position 
could bear fruits for the Cardinals as well. The bottom line is, if the Cardinals can't get to Sam Howell, there is no way they're winning on Sunday in Washington, D.C. The Washington Commanders find themselves in an unfamiliar position, but looking for a familiar outcome in week one. I'm David Harrison, host of the Locked On Commanders podcast, and as unfamiliar seven-point favorites at home in week one against the Arizona Cardinals, a week one win would actually be Coach Ron Rivera's third in four years leading this team. In order to prevent the underdog Cardinals from doing the unthinkable, the Commanders need their young quarterback and team captain Sam Howell to do exactly what he's been doing all preseason long, play smart football. Like a gremlin after midnight, Arizona isn't likely to do much damage unless Washington feeds them. So control the ball and don't give the Cardinals any opportunities they don't earn. And the Cardinals should be able to reward a sold-out home crowd in Week 1 with a win to start the Sam Howell and Josh Harris eras. For more on this game and everything Washington Commanders, check out the Locked On Commanders podcast five days a week, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Miami Dolphins head coach Mike McDaniel is hoping his team can press a few different buttons this time around against the Chargers. I'm Kyle Krabs of Locked On Dolphins, and as the Dolphins look to start their 2023 season with a victory, they're going to have to exercise the demons of a late season disappointing loss to the Chargers last year. It was comfortably the team's worst offensive performance of the year, and Mike McDaniel has to look to his run game to set a different tone this time around. The Chargers have historically been a team that has struggled to stop the run with consistency, and yet the Dolphins quickly found themselves getting away from the running game throughout the course of that disappointing loss against Los Angeles. This time around, in year two, can Mike McDaniel's system have enough push and consistency with commitment on the ground for the Dolphins to secure a victory on the road in Los Angeles? We will find out on Sunday. The Chargers are squaring off with the Miami Dolphins in week one, and if they want to pull out the win, new offensive coordinator Kellen Moore has to get things going early. This is Daniel Wade here from Locked On Chargers, and this Chargers offense has lofty expectations heading into 2023, but we don't know what the offense will look like because we haven't seen them in live action under new offensive coordinator Kellen Moore. We've heard a lot about this being a much more aggressive offense, and they're going to get a heck of a test week one against a loaded Dolphins defense with new defensive coordinator Vic Fangio at the helm. I don't think the Chargers can afford to go down big early in this game, going up against what was a historic offense last year when Tua was healthy with Tyreek Hill, with Jalen Waddle, and Justin Herbert will have every one of his weapons at his disposal with no Chargers offensive players on the injury report this week. There's no excuses. They have to get things going. But for the full game breakdown, make sure to check out the Locked On Chargers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Now we turn to our Locked On Saints host, Locked On NFL host, NFL channel manager for Locked On, the man in the mirror. Okay, clearly I can't sing, but I can't tell you that Ross Jackson is coming up with this week's Jackson 5. So, Ross, the NFC South looks decidedly different under center for all four teams, including the New Orleans Saints. So is Derek Carr the right choice as QB1 for New Orleans? Yes, a hundred percent. Not only is he the right choice, Trisha, he was the 
only choice for the New Orleans Saints because, as we know here in New Orleans, not only was Derek Carr the choice, but when it came to the guy that they were going to go to if they couldn't get Derek Carr, the backup plan was Jimmy Garoppolo. That would not have been a very good backup plan for the New Orleans Saints. It was not going to be Jameis Winston. He's got a high ceiling. He has all the things. He's got all those intangibles, all that stuff, but hasn't been able to put it together on the field and hasn't been healthy. Derek Carr was absolutely the right choice to get this New Orleans Saints offense back into maybe a little bit of the yesteryear days of the style of offense that they really want to be able to run with the style of signal caller they want under center. And speaking of yesteryear and wanting to throw things back, the Giants and the Cowboys are trying to relive their glory days as well. They've got a huge NFC East week one matchup. Is that matchup going to tell us all we need to know about the NFC East? The only thing that this game between the New York Giants and Dallas Cowboys tell us is which one of them is going to be better positioned for second place because it's all the Philadelphia Eagles division. Don't get it twisted. I know that some of those teams had some fun off seasons and all that good stuff, but you know who didn't have a super fun off season? The Philadelphia Eagles. You want to know why? Because they didn't need one. The Philadelphia Eagles have the quarterback. They have the defense. They have the play caller. They have what they need to be successful, and I think they're going to be just fine sitting atop the top of the NFC East yet again. And it'll be interesting to see how the commanders kind of play in with, like you said, the run mm -hmm. and the race for second, because yeah, I think the Eagles have decidedly said, Hey, we may have lost a few players in the off season, but we reloaded and we are good to go at the top of the NFC East, if not at the top of the NFC. Now mm -hmm. you've got the other side, which is the bottom dwellers of the NFC or the NFL overall. So for you, Ross, which team do you think is going to stay at the bottom of the barrel and have the overall number one pick for 2024? You know, I think a lot of folks would sit here and tell you the Arizona Cardinals, but I think the Arizona Cardinals are going to fall backwards into a couple of wins that people aren't expecting this year. They still have, once he gets back out on the field, the quarterback in Kyler Murray, who's going to be able to win them a couple of games here and there. I'm going to tell you who I think, and I think you're going to love this. I think you're going to love this. Who's going to have the number one overall selection in 2024? It's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. What are they doing? What have they done? They had a quarterback battle between Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask. Yeah, that's a quarterback battle that's really all about making sure that they're in place for Caleb Williams or Drake May in 2024. You know who else is going to love that? The Saints, the Falcons, and the Panthers. <laughs> it's going to be peace time for the rest of the NFC South. Now, Super Bowl favorites have already come out. MVP favorites have already come out. We know where that lies, and that's Kansas City, right? But every year, a team just kind of surprises us and makes a run towards the Super Bowl. Who do you think is that dark horse this season? Yeah, my dark horse is a team that's gotten closer and closer over the course of the past few seasons, and it's the Miami Dolphins. That's who I've got as my dark horse to win the Super Bowl this year. Tua Tungavailoa is one of those players that a lot of people write off, but has been outstanding in his time, led the NFL in passing. They've got a wonderkind, a, one of the, the NFL's brightest minds and geniuses in Mike McDaniel calling the shots who hopefully won't get away from the run game as quickly as he got away from the run game in 2022. Maybe be a little bit more persistent there in those third and shorts and second halves in 2023. That along with Vic Fangio and the change to their defensive scheme going a little bit more zone heavy. I think that the uh, Miami Dolphins are going to leap into the modernity of the NFL and from that catapult themselves into a larger part of the conversation at the end of the season that I think most are projected. 
Yeah. And I know it's kind of always exciting or you kind of have this desire when you've got the likes of a Jalen Waddle or a Tyreek Hill to say, hey, you want to throw it right you do because you've got <laughs> guns out there. But you are absolutely right. When you talk about making a run for the Super Bowl, you've got to have a running game that's going to win it for you now. We know there has been a lot of quarterback movement around the NFL, obviously Aaron Rodgers being the most notable, but let's take the quarterback out of this and let's look at some of the other positions where there were new additions to teams. Which new addition somewhere across the NFL would you say will have the biggest impact for his team in week one? Oh, I think the big, I'm going to take us right back to a, a team that we've already talked about in that New York Giants, Dallas Cowboys game. It's all about Darren Waller for me. I think that you look at what Daniel Jones was missing in 2022, even though he still had guys like Saquon Barkley and others to be able to rely on and still distribute the ball in the offense. One of the big things that he was missing was a big bodied, sure fire, sure handed target over the middle of the field. I think Darren Waller is going over a hundred yards in this game against that Dallas Cowboys defense, which is no small feat, but he's going to be, he should be at least the feature in the passing game for the New York Giants week one. Week one is on tap. Merry Christmas, NFL fans. <laughs> Well, guys, I just called my guy Ross and had to break the bad news to him that, hey, it's okay, bye for Darren Waller. Hmm, sorry for that man. It's the dismissing of the rest of the NFC East for me, also in favor of the Eagles, my guy Ross Jackson. Now, of course, we all know the boss is going to read me for that. But anywho, what intrigues you guys about what Ross had to say? I think I think for me the call out for Tampa Bay for the number one overall pick is an interesting <laughs> one to me. I th I think they could Same. very easily find themselves in the running, but if you were to tell me that there was another team that kind of finds their way down there that maybe we're not talking enough about, I look at what the Las Vegas Raiders are doing, and I know mm -hmm. they got Devontae Adams, and I know they got Josh Jacobs, and I know they can run the ball but they brought in Jimmy Garoppolo as their grand answer to the quarterback problems that they had last year defensively. I think they're in a really tough spot. They're playing in a division with three teams that are all on the upswing with Kansas City coming off the Super Bowl win, the LA Chargers looking to, to fortify, and they, they fortified their offensive weapons, and Sean Payton coming to Denver. They don't play an easy schedule. They got to play the, the entire AFC East on top of that too. Um I just don't get the warm and fuzzies with Las Vegas. So if you told me that Las Vegas kind of gets to the end of the season and they got three wins, yeah. I would be surprised. And if Arizona does fall into a few wins, like Ross says, I think that's another team that if the first overall pick has three wins that I wouldn't dismiss from necessarily being in that conversation. Yeah. Agreed. You know what? And for me, I think that to, to say that the Miami Dolphins are going to get to the Super Bowl, like that's very interesting to me. Uh, no, no, no shade, Kyle, but you know, like, like Tua's going to stay healthy for the entire season. Like that's 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 a thing. Like because you no, know, last time I checked, man, concussions. We talking about potentially shutting it down for 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 life. Never never playing football again because of the concussion that he suffered last year. And I just think that from. I really like no don't get me wrong. I really like Tua. I'm I'm glad that he once he got once he was out on the field, he was able to show to say, hey, I'm capable of doing what I'm doing because Lord knows, like Miami, Miami, I'm sure Miami Dolphins fans, you probably experienced this, Kyle. I know they're probably looking at Justin Herbert saying, like, dang, we passed on that dude. Like, why we passed on that guy? So, but I think that once you have a guy like Tua, if he stays healthy, yeah, I see 
that you know Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell because that's fun. That's fun to watch. That's very fun to watch. And I think that you know going in the AFC East because a lot of the conversations are about. You know, the New York Jets and Aaron Rodgers, I just think it's just going to be a little bit too much competition in that division for, for them to get to that, to that, to that, the ultimate prize and, and not only get to the Super Bowl, but, but win it. I, I just think that's going to be a little bit difficult, uh, to see that play out like that. It's a big chemistry experiment for Miami for sure. And yeah. as Tanitra and Ross talked about, the run game has to be a bigger part of it. And you Indeed. see the parallels to San Francisco with Mike McDaniel coming from the Kyle Shanahan coaching tree. I don't think it's too far of a stretch to say if everything goes right, that can be a San Francisco type formula to make runs late in the season. Uh, and, and I think that's your pathway is things click with Vic Fangio, Jalen Ramsey comes back, gives you an extra element on defense mid season, but you got to be able to run the ball and that commitment, that investment has to be there. And if it is, and they looked really good running the ball in the preseason. Granted, it's the preseason, but it was kind of a different flavor to the offense. Then I think that's how that pathway would have to play out for the Dolphins. And I think you're onto something because Miami was in the conversations with the uh, Indianapolis Colts for Jonathan Taylor. So, like, I, I think you're you're right, you're spot on when it comes to that run game because it is definitely key in Kyle Shanahan slash Mike McDaniel's system. I give him a little shit. I'll give him a little credit there. Yeah, and going back to what you guys said, sometimes we don't talk enough about the AFC East. And so the Dolphins could be intriguing along with obviously the Bills. And it'll be interesting to see the X factor that the Jets are as well. Can't even give the other team any credit, but moving right along. Yeah, they're, they they've got some, in- <laughs> they've got some intriguing <laughs> Something that is going to be interesting, a stop, go. We don't know because we're getting reports as we speak about Packers, Bears, who is in and who is out. We've also talked about that game throughout the show. The NFC North essentially is up for grabs. Who is going to take the leads out of the gate? Could be them, could be the Vikings for all we know. But Lee Sterling and your boy Q from Locked On Bets say the Packers and Bears, well, they're the lock. Open it, open it, open it. Lee has the key to the lock of the day. Here we go. Let's close things out strong. Lock of the day. NFL action week one. Been waiting to say that. No training camp. No preseason. But regular season action week one. We'll pay attention to the NFC North, a division that I think is wide open like some old school TV antennas. We'll take a look at the Chicago Bears and the Green Bay Packers. FanDuel.com line on this one. The Bears minus one versus Green Bay. That's tight right there. It's a tight line, Lee. Break it down for us. So Green Bay has owned the series. In fact, they're 8-0 straight up. Against Chicago, they won 13 of the last 14, 17 of the last 19, and 23 of the last 26 meetings dating back to 2011. Now, I know that's with Aaron Rodgers, but let's look at the talent on the field. And I grade players all the time and units. I'm looking at this Packers roster, and it's above average here. I think their coaching staff, above average here. I think they have the better offensive and defensive line here. Jordan Love, you know, just didn't progress when, when the first two years there. And why? Because Aaron Rodgers wasn't helping him out at all. Felt he was a threat here. I think that the he's relaxed now. You're just seeing a different player. Is he going to be as good as Aaron Rodgers right now? No, but he doesn't have to be. He was 21 for 33 in the preseason for 193 yards, three touchdowns, and most importantly, no interceptions. They have a top 
ten offensive line. They have two, and maybe maybe the best or the second best running back combos, and it's in the NFL here. And Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon here, and they're facing a bottom three defense here. So as exciting as Fields is, and I think he's progressing, I'm probably going to take them once they get some of their injured offensive linemen back, but. They're going to start a center they picked up in a trade with the Dolphins less than two weeks ago. Are you kidding me? Underfields, they're five and twenty straight up, eight sixteen and one against the spread in his twenty five starts here. Green Bay's the right side. The Pack, they're still back here, twenty eight twenty four. <laughs> level one lock. There it is, level one lock. The Green Bay Packers over the Chicago Bears, and I'll tell you, man, a lot of people aren't giving Green Bay a lot of props, but I, for every reason that you mentioned about Jordan Love being comfortable, being relaxed, and ready to rock and roll, I feel like he's going to do really well this season in Green Bay. Interesting. Level one lock, Interesting huh? Right, a level one <laughs> lock when you're talking about a game that essentially they're saying there's like a one and a half point differential there, so level one lock, guys. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, it's like going back to you know we talked about this earlier on. I, I think that it's just hard for me to kind of look at you know that 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 offense and say, yeah, Jordan Love we're going to figure it out. He's going to figure it out. He's going to step in and continue the twenty nine year tradition of starting quarterbacks for the Green Bay Packers, and everything is going to be all good. No, I don't think that's going to happen. The guy only has ten games of experience. He wasn't really. He was one of those kind of fly-by-night guys in the draft. And, you know, Kyle, I know you know, when, remember when he came out in, 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 um, in 2020. So I think this is just – I'm going to go for what I know. I know what I saw in Justin Fields. I know what I like what I saw in Justin Fields. Like, but there obviously there are some protection issues. Obviously, yeah, I get it. But when you talk about knowing what you're going to get from that quarterback and you're adding to – um, his we- uh, his weaponry, right? You, adding a number one wide receiver in DJ Moore, I have to look at that situation. I have to take that into account, right? Because those are some of the things that I feel that can win you football games in the NFL. So, yeah, Matt Matt Lafleur is he going to have a the greatest coaching you know a uh, uh, job that he's ever done because he has a Jordan Love and Jordan Love going to come out there and do that? The odds of that happening. I won't put. I won't make that a level one lock. That wouldn't be a level one lock for me. So I'm 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 going to decide on the Chicago Bears because, like, I, I'm likely to go for what I know, especially when you're talking about who's up on the center. Yeah, uh, I, I'm inclined to agree with you, especially with the news that Christian Watson is out for this this contest. And uh, you do look at Chicago and what they did in, in the overhaul with Coach Eberflus and, and the defense and signing Yannick Ngakwe. I think that's a nice mm-hmm. signing uh, for them as a pass rusher off the edge. Uh, Andrew Billing and Justin Jones are not the most flashy names that you can have inside, but I do think they can keep the linebackers clean. And I really think the linebackers are the strength of the defense with paying Tremaine Edmonds the $18 million per season average that he got on the new deal to come here. TJ Mm -hmm. Edwards coming over from Philadelphia, uh, who I I think has developed into a very, very good three down player, super instinctual player. They had an undrafted free agent in Jack Sanborn last year as a rookie who flashed quite a bit as well. They're physical, and I, th- I think what the interior can do against Green Bay is let the linebackers run free, and then without the element of Christian Watson on the outside, I think that is where I, I like how the matchups can trend for Chicago. I-, I generally agree with the big picture on both teams. If you ask me who's going to finish higher in the standings, I take Green Bay at the end of the season. 
But as far as the week one matchup without Christian Watson, uh, I think there's a lot of momentum uh, here for, for Chicago to build off what they did with Justin Fields last year schematically. Yeah, and I, I think that you guys make both points. I think that to to your point as well, Kyle, most importantly, the conversation that we had even at the beginning of the show shifted because that's how important Christian Watson is to that offense. So, yeah, when you have critical pieces like that who are going to be moving, just like the news we heard about Darren Waller, it does kind of shift where your thought processes are on what that's going to be. But what's interesting to me as well is, and, you know, I should apologize to those people up in Big D, but the conversation here a lot is about, you know, what the Green Bay Packers are going to do and what Chicago Bears are going to do, obviously, because, that is the first game of the season in divisional matchup form. But, you know, we've been pretty darn quiet um, on the other side of the NFC North. And if you kind of think about it, this could be considered a pseudo toss up as well, because you could say, obviously, the Lions kind of sh- I'll say showed improved early last night. Right. But we mm-hmm. haven't talked much about what the Vikings might have to say about what goes on in the NFC North. I mean, they got Kirk Cousins at quarterback, so you know that might be a reason why we might not be talking about them in that light. But but, but, but that Justin Jefferson, like does he's he he's a real deal. Like I have to give credit where credit is due. Justin Jefferson is an absolute monster when it comes to catching that rock. And then they added some. They added to that wide receiver room too, right? They went. They didn't rest on their laurels. They added Jordan Addison out of USC. So you know those are some of the things that I feel like. When you think about, you know, adding pieces around the quarterback and and if it's, you know, we want considering this a, a big game, so to speak, Kirk and in the regular season, you can put up some numbers like he's a fantasy beast. You know, he's a quiet beast when it comes to from a fantasy standpoint. So but I, I think when you talk about putting up numbers and, and, and on a consistent basis and, and giving your team an opportunity to win, not only in the regular season, but going into the postseason as well. That's kind of where I kind of get off when you talk about the Minnesota Vikings. So I. I'm I'm really I'm really intrigued by this division because, like you said, we're used to you know, hey, penciling. I mean, putting in permanent marker at the top of that division is and the Green Bay Packers, and now that that Aaron Rodgers walks out of the door, it's kind of it's it's seemingly up for grabs, and I and I really feel like hey, we could see Minnesota sneak in here and, and win this division. Yeah, I think the things that for Minnesota that need to go right, they moved on from Dalvin Cook this offseason. And they've elevated Alexander Madison as kind of the lead back there. Uh, And then the cornerback room with with defensive coordinator Brian Flores coming in runs a very, very, very aggressive style of defense. They love to blitz. They love to man up on the back end. And I just look at the cornerback situation that they have with uh, Caleb Evans, Andrew Booth, and rookie Makai Blackman. I just don't know how it's going to mesh with that aggressive style of defense. So does Flores... Changes DNA a little bit. We've heard all the reports out of Minnesota. Is they're going to continue to bliss? Do they change what the back end looks like with that? How well would that acclimate? So I think the the relative inexperience at corner and then the unprovenness of their ability to run the football are the things for Minnesota that I can't tell you what that team's going to look like until we get a little bit more information. We have a proof of concept of it on Sundays. Yeah, indeed. And, you know, when you think about uh, – Teron Armstead being ruled out that of course can mean a lot just in terms of we're talking earlier about players who make the critical who who can be critical or, or be impactful for the game so with that in mind give me something impactful with your final thoughts about week one 
I'll, I'll piggyback for Teron Armstead, who that news just came out. It might McDaniel head coach this morning said he was, they were going to put him through some, some football activities on the side. Sounds like that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say one thing that the dolphins have this year that they did not have is a little bit more depth at tackle. They have Kendall lamb who looked really strong in the preseason. Uh, but when you lose a player like Teron Armstead and you're going against players like Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa, this is the big test for Mike McDaniel now because when he lost players last year, he didn't really adjust what they were trying to do. There was no adjust, whether it was Tua Tungvalu or Skylar Thompson or Teddy Bridgewater or Toronto Armstead plays or he doesn't play. It was like, yeah, we're, we're really aggressive. We got speed. We can do whatever we want. You now have to adjust some of what your play calling expectations are and not ask to do a lot of the drop at passing game because I wouldn't trust Kendall Lamb as look good as he's looked in the preseason to execute to the same abilities Toronto Armstead would. So that for mm-hmm. me is that storyline for this game is Mike McDaniel's got to adjust his game plan. That'll be the first litmus test of how much he's grown since last year. Jarvis, quick final thought of a storyline for week one. All of the divisional matchups um, is a very interesting in week one. And um, when you talk about the NFC North and the NFC South, Divisions that are up for grabs, like legitimately up for grabs. I'm interested to see how those those matchups play out in week one. Interesting indeed. So we are so excited about the show for Kyle Krabs and Jarvis Davis. I'm Tanitra Batiste. I thank you guys. We thank you for rocking with our inaugural show. You can catch us every single Friday from 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time. We will see you next week right here on Locked On NFL Kickoff. See you and have a great weekend.